Hey, what is going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next episode of Drugs and Stuff. Uh, you guys left us a ton of questions about Anadrol. So the first whole half of the show, I think, is all about Anadrol, answering your questions. After that, we tackle uh, everything else. If you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below. We will tackle your questions then, plus comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. And hey, if we missed your question last time, comment again. We can't get to all of them every time, but we try. So this week, a bunch of stuff about Anadrol. Then we talk about dealing with lower back pumps. We discuss dealing with crashed estrogen from too much Arimidex. We're asked, what does lab work look like for people that are using party drugs? Dosing Masteron with 750 tests. Which ester do Dave and I prefer of testosterone? NPP in females, berberine versus metformin, and a bunch more. If you're new here, let me encourage you to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell. We've got several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week, tons of education and entertainment featuring IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at this sport that we love and have some fun in the process. All right, guys, let's get to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by True Nutrition. You can uh, use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality third-party tested supplements here in the U.S. If you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. And if you're in the U.K., check out Strom Sports, our new advertiser. Uh, We'll have uh, links for all these places down below. And of course, if you need any lab work done, you can get it done by Christmas Cabbage. Go to evalbloodanalysis.com and Christmas Cabbage will draw your blood for you himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He's a wanker. <laughs> yes, I know. He, I know he never introduced you. Yes, I know. You sat there in the middle of the screen and he never says, Dave Crossland and Christmas Cabbage. You just said me. Yeah, I understand that. No, I'd be pissed as well. Yeah. <laughs> What, you want to walk well, walk off the show then? Well, roll. You can't walk. You have no legs, you daft bastard. <laughs> He's like that, Scott. You get used to him. He's just a prick. Just just ignore him and smile sweetly and carry on. Okay. So you're going to carry on? Okay. Thank you. All right. We good? You good, Dave? <laughs> All right. We got a bunch of stuff for you guys today. Uh, of course, if you guys want to take part in the next show, comment below with your questions. Dave, these guys have been freaking awesome. Uh, all of our people on YouTube, they totally have been filling up uh, the comment section with questions for the next episodes. Everybody here on the live stream, you guys are welcome to throw some stuff in too. All right. Well, we'll jump into the listener questions. Um, we have a ton of stuff for some reason about Anadrol today. I don't have all the specific Anadrol questions an- like gathered up, but as I was going through them, like we have 20 plus questions here and I'm like, dang, like at least five of them, 25% or anadrol questions. Uh, the first one is related to anadrol, at least injectable. Um, Tyler says positives of injectable anadrol versus oral usage. Now, if I recall, Dave, you have not used injectable uh, oxy, right? No, I have not. But I, the, the obvious one's going to be the, the, the lack of stress on the stomach. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, Oxy's got a, a, a well-founded reputation for trashing your appetite, and with good reason as well, because um, it does for a lot of people. Um, so you're going to reduce those impacts. There's, 
Still going to be some appetite issues based from liver stress, but you're going to reduce those impacts quite significantly by going injectable over oral. Um, most people I know that use injectable highly rate it. It's just it's not the easiest thing to get hold of, particularly over here. I don't know what it's like over there. It depends. You know, there's there's the UGLs that uh, some of the bigger UGLs, I think, are still manufacturing that and injectable D-ball. It's all in an oil based now. You know, they do it like a mm. like the same way they make T&E. And I think the biggest issue we run into is the solvents because it's going to have to take you know, some of the some of the more caustic carriers to suspend that stuff. Um, like like the EO or glycol, and I think that those things can have, you know, just more overall health stress on your body. But I guess you know, it's, it's a give and a take, right? You're gonna you're eventually gonna hit the liver anyway, right? Like some people will say, like, well, yeah. it doesn't hit your liver because you're injecting it, but that's just the first pass. So you still have that liver stress of a 17 alkylated steroid. So there is yeah. that. But yeah, you you know I. I'll tell you what, man, I never used it either, but I did use injectable D-ball and I loved it. Like to me, the best way I could describe it is it was like a cleaner version of D-ball. And by that, I mean like the same thing, man. It didn't affect my appetite. D-ball is notorious for me to affect my appetite after a week or two. Just destroy it. I didn't so much get that with the injectable and and also two milligram for milligram. I definitely say it was stronger, you know, we're going to lose some of that on when we take it orally, you know, so the injectable, oh, it's like you're getting 50 milligrams right in your body, right? Yeah, the bioavailability increases with an injectable, obviously, um, you're not going to have as much loss through um, non dietary fat absorption and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a more efficient way of taking it. Um. Like the problem with all UGL stuff, isn't it? When you start getting into into compounds that aren't common or, yeah. or compounds that aren't, aren't regularly available, the risk of that compound being a bag of shit goes through the fucking roof massively. <laughs> well, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Because there's not the demand for it, so there's not the volume of product available. Um, yeah. You know, Primo used to be garbage pretty much 95% of the time because nobody used it much. It was it wasn't that common it wasn't that popular right since primo's got i don't know what it's like over there but over here primo's got incredibly popular i mean every man and his dog's on fucking primo these days yeah but as a result the market demand for primo has meant that the standard of primo out there has improved massively so now it's quite a common drug a lot of primo is decent primo you know and i've seen and, better and prices nowhere. than it used to be too <clears throat> yeah, so there's, 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 there's not, you know, the lottery is nowhere near as, I mean, you still get shit primo, I said, well, just today that was shit primo, but um, in, in general, you know, the chances of you getting genuine primo are much, much higher than they used to be, and, and that's the problem with stuff like injectable D-ball, injectable oxys, yeah. is, is it, <laughs> quite simply, is it, yeah. um, because if the demand's not there, it's much harder to get the raws. That's a good point. All right, I got another one here, another another anadrol or oxy question, as as some people might call it. Uh, and this is from Kevin. He says a question um, about the anadrol I am taking, fifty milligrams a day. What's what's the max amount of weeks I can push the cycle? I was told thirty days from my guy, but you are the experts, so I thought I would ask. Thank you for coming to us, Kevin. 
We're experts. We're experts at this, Dave. You know why? Because we have a YouTube channel that makes us legit experts. I would be very careful using that word. We may get done for false advertising or something of that nature. (laughs) Here's the reality of it. We've taken a lot of steroids in our day. And uh, I've, I, I can't speak for you, Dave, but I've literally worked with thousands of clients at this point, watching them and their responses to various compounds. And, you know, I'd say both of us are a student of the sport. That said, I would be careful with anybody who calls themselves an expert. Um, the general rule of thumb, six weeks. Um, you, you can potentially stretch it further but for most people sides will start to become too negative um and it's usually based around appetite blood pressure things like that um the liver will stress with orals it stresses with all orals oxys are not particularly any harsher than the other orals in fact medically they're prescribed very long term to patients so there definitely is the viability to use them longer uh, but for most people, appetite suppression becomes to a problematic level, so they just can't eat the food they need to eat, or there's BP issues and things like that arising from 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 a bombs. So um, I, I would have said for most people, a sensible sort of period of time is six weeks, uh, push eight. But clinically. And, you know, they're prescribed very long-term to patients, so there definitely is uh, rounds for longer use of of it as an an oral compound if you're not struggling with the sides it creates. Yeah. I I think you mentioned the the, the appetite one is huge, and uh, the blood pressure one is – that gets a lot of people. I think that especially people in the off-season that are eating a lot of food – they're gaining a lot of fluid, you know, and that fluid, I, I would say personally, I'd suggest even shorter. But the caveat to that is I would not use Anadrol as being like a standalone, you know, that it's not like I'm going to do an Anadrol cycle per se. If I were to use Anadrol, it would most likely be part of a bigger picture. Like a yeah, I mean, that. I've used it as a standalone, and I know people that have with some success. Um, it was always very popular in, in prison environments because it had the reputation of being the strongest oral you could use. And so if you were going to get a tablet into a prison environment and you wanted gear, Oxy was the drug of choice. That makes sense uh, to me. So, so much so that the prices were incredibly elevated. Like what are we talking? Five, ten dollars a tablet. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. But uh, $70 a week to run one like 50 milligram tablet per day. Although, hey, I mean, that could be a good insurance policy to keep you from getting yourself uh, in trouble in prison. Add a bunch of weight on you, you know, be that guy nobody wants to mess with. <laughs> I don't know. But... Um yeah, it's uh, most of the time it's the sides that are going to get you before anything else with with oxys. Yeah, I've used it for short. Like the way, if I were to use it at this point, there was a time that I would have used it as a quote unquote kickstart of a cycle. I don't really do that anymore. I would say I would save it. 
let's let the injectables do their first let's let the diet do its job make sure that our training is to the point where we're really we're on the upswing right we're making progress then we add in the injectables and down the road when everything's like at its max and we still need just a little push to maybe break break a strength plateau then i could see adding it in pre-workout but for a short period of time like two weeks at a time that's what i personally what i would do with it yeah i mean there's, there's all sorts of viable ways of taking it training days only like you say short little blasts back end of a cycle is, is my preferred and yeah. using it um a lot of people will be oh well, it, it, it'll make you fat it'll do this and, and look let's get things straight anabolics don't make you fat food makes you fat um, we used to say the same about Decker, didn't you? You know, Decker, oh, Decker makes you fat. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's because it's off-season, you're eating shit. Now, Decker and Oxys, and, and quite interestingly, they're, they're, they're both progestins, or they act like progestins, to be technically correct, um, will punish you if your diet is shit. But if your diet's on point, they won't at all. You're not going to get fat on Decker and Oxys if your diet's on point. Yeah. But if you are a, a, a garbage monster, then... <laughs> Yes, you're, you're going to balloon even worse with those two in play. All right, we've got uh, another anadrol question. It turns out I am able to find all these, apparently. Uh, another one. You should have just called it the Oxy episode. Well, we we can, actually. We're, we haven't put the thumbnail out yet. We can. Uh, question for the next show. I've had great results with anadrol or Oxy as Dave would call it. And I love the way he spelled that. He spelled it O-X-E-H. Because he's not saying oxy. He's saying oxe. And I swear to God, I it's like Dave's in the room when I say that word. Oxe. That sounds so... <laughs> okay. That sounds like you. Uh, but Right. Yeah. People, do you see <laughs> what I have to live with? Dave loves it. Have guys. some sympathy here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but every time I take it, my nipples get sensitive within a few days. I've actually developed gyno from it last time, so I'm afraid to take it again. I was able to shrink the gyno with tamoxifen, and I can't even feel it now. I have never had gyno from anything else, even with estrogen extremely high, so it's only from anadrol. Is there a way I can take anadrol and somehow prevent gyno before it starts and what causes anadrol gyno? I wasn't sure on this one, Dave, because I, I haven't had issues with it. And I know that anadrol doesn't convert to estrogen. So I, I looked up some random shit in just the little bits that I saw. I for The way I'm understanding it, we don't know for sure. That's the number one. But, but there is a thought that anadrol itself attaching to the estrogen receptor we do see that happening or it, we see it affecting the estrogen receptor in some way and that it's maybe believed that that's what's causing the gyno because we have had seen like we've had a bunch of people on on the comments say oh yeah man i've had all sorts of gyno issues with anadrol so it's it, it's a thing you know but anyway uh what what, what are, what's your take here <sighs> So, I would normally say oxy doesn't cause gyno. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't do it. Um, I appreciate that there are people, and, and when I've said this in the past, there have been people going, well, it caused gyno for me, well, it caused gyno for me. Yeah. And I'm not disputing that, that that has happened. So, let's first 
are you taking Oxy? Would be the first question. Or is it something else? Uh, we know it has no estrogenic activity in the sense that it doesn't convert to estrogen. But we also know that it does engage with the progesterone receptor. So we know progesterone has a relationship with estrogen. Uh, and we know that progesterone can be linked to elevated prolactin. And we know that prolactin increases the sensitivity of the estrogen receptor as well. I'm not aware of any data on oxymethylone engaging with the estrogen receptor in any way. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I've just not seen that. You just told me it does. So granted, there may be a cause there. But he sort of answered his question hmm. in his question. He took Novadex. Now, first of all, the had gyno Novadex would be very unlikely to get rid of it that quick. It would take a very long time. So the chances of what he actually had was some swelling around the nipple. And a lot of people mistake swelling and nipple irritation for gyno. Gyno is a formation of tissue. That's it what, takes what a it while. is. It's breast, it's breast tissue. The precursor to that is irritation of the nipple and swelling of the nipple. So I'm not saying that what people had wouldn't have eventually become gyno, but it actually isn't gyno at that point. It's just inflammation. It's the signs that you're you're on your way. Yeah. Now, what I am unsure of is, does oxymethylone cause inflammation at the nipple, or does it cause full-blown established gyno, as in forming tissue? So if anyone has had inflammation that has then turned into a formed tissue mass, then please let us know because I would be generally interested to know. But he, he mentioned that he took Novadex and he got rid of it. So there's your answer. You take Novadex. Fair enough. And if that's not working and you get sensitivity, you can always stop. I feel like people yeah, don't, on orals are like, hey, I'm taking this D-ball and I'm getting gyno. What should I do? My thought is like the first thing you do is stop the D-ball, right? Hmm. It's you know none of these drugs are essential, but I appreciate that. And oxy is quite unique in in the fact as an oral what it can do for you. Yeah, you know it, it is a it is a very effective drug in a lot of ways, and it has a brilliant strength curve. Um, great pre comp as well. If you're lean, the fullness you're going to get off oxys is going to be incredible. Um, so it you know it, it has its uses, um, but ultimately there is a balance of risk to reward ratio here. And if you're getting problems with a drug, then you've got to sit down and say, well, are the risks or all the problems worth the rewards I'm getting from that drug? And that's the only an answer you know you can come up with. Nobody can answer that for you because it's personal to you. Yes, there are things you can do to mitigate the side effects or the effects of these drugs. Um, and obviously if oxymethylone is, is causing inflammation of the nipple or, or actually even causing gyno for you, then taking Novadex should be all you really need to do. But it is then another drug. It's another oral you're adding to your system. So there is that to bear in mind as well. But if if he was successful with the use of Novadex in, in alleviating the problem, then there's your answer. Use Novadex. Yeah. It's also worth pointing out that Novadex also can block the progesterone receptor. So I'd be, I'm curious now hmm. whether the reduction of the information is purely from blocking of the estrogen or if receptor or or if the PR blocking has played a role in that as well. Hmm. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. 
All right. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely more complex than a simple activation of the ER. I, I do think there's there's more to play here, and I think the answer lies with the PR as well. Hmm. <clears throat> now, the other thing with, with oxymethylone is it, it's not a one-to-one ratio with PR engagement either. What do you mean? So it does not stick well. So if progesterone's engagement with the receptor is, is one, then oxymethylose engagement with the PR receptor is 0.2, 0.3. Okay, so lower. So Yes, yeah, so it, it does engage with the receptor, but it's lower, which in turn would or should instigate an increase in circulating progesterone levels. Okay, that makes sense. Because the body would see progesterone as being low because the, the receptor is blocked by oxy, but the signal strength is weak. Hmm. So that would encourage an increase in progesterone. So I, I would say there's there's a few few mechanisms potentially here that, that could be playing roles in this. But the simple answer is is what he's already given himself is run Novadex. All right. Uh, let me see what else we have here. Oh, this is uh, give me a chance to plug your your program, Dave. Uh, the question Yay! question is, is is Dave still running the Pillars of Strength mentorship? If so, how much does it cost? It's a million pounds paid nice. in cash up that, front. It's a fair deal. Yeah, I need to retire. Um, <laughs> so the next course actually starts tomorrow. Um, obviously, this won't come out to the following Monday, but all lessons are recorded. So if someone did want to jump in on this course, there are a couple of slots still available in, in plug, plug. Uh, and they could always watch the first episode as as the video, and then they can catch um, up after that. Because you you do it yeah. what Wednesday nights is it your time? Wednesday nights six to eight my time, and there's a WhatsApp chat group as well, so any messages or questions can be picked up in there. Okay, um, it, it is six hundred of the Great British pounds. Okay, well, and it's uh, seven weeks. Okay, so if it's seven weeks, if if people wanted to sign up, and do you you said you do have a spot left? For this one, two. Okay, two. So, two, two. real quick, then, if people did want to still sign up, they would miss the first week, but they could watch the video. And from the time this comes out on Monday, they still could catch this starting on week two, as of yes. Gotcha. Okay. And to be fair, it doesn't really get interesting till week two anyway. Week one's a bit shit. <laughs> All right. Let me see what else we got here. Um, and we're just going to jump into everything else. Although this could really line up with all of our other anadrol questions because anadrol creates a lot of low back pumps. Question for the next show, how to combat low back pumps when adding size, assuming the back pumps are from the associated water weight and high carbs calories, as opposed to water weight from orals. Oh, uh, using taurine and hydration products, but really starting to affect workouts and even walking moderate distances. Very often, back pumps, though they can be due to water retention, orals, etc., and taurine is a very good shout for back pumps. Very often, they are actually down to hamstring and glute tightness. Mm. And so I would actually recommend stretching your ass and your hamstrings regularly, and you should find your lower back pumps subside quite substantially. It's an interesting direction to take it because there is, especially people sitting at desks, our hip flexors 
get so tight. Uh, people who are commuting a lot, people who are say truck drivers or something, people sitting at offices. Or, that's that's been my major issue, man. If if I'm sitting at my desk here working with you know client diets and stuff all day long, plus podcasting, I get up, man. My low back gets tight. I find there's hip flexor stretches personally that help a ton. But what about the water though? If, if it what if it is like what if somebody's holding a ton of water? Well, there has to be a reason for that water. So is that water because you're eating shit diet? Is that water because your estrogen's high? Is that water because of GH? Yeah. You know, and, and manage whatever's causing the water retention. But water retention itself does not come from high calories, but it will come from shit food. Yeah. Um, but I've found that on a bulk, out of all the muscles that tighten, the hamstrings and glutes tighten first and harder than anywhere else. I think the more food you eat, the more sodium you could potentially be eating too. So that could, you know, it, even on clean food, if you're using a lot of salt, or we'll say a moderate amount of salt in each meal, well, 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 yeah, but, but now that, you're eating three more meals. The well, salt's not yeah, dirty. But then again, no, but you're adding something to your diet that's controllable. My point is, it's not something that you can't remove from the diet. It's very easily controllable. And that's what my point was: is maybe consider you know your sodium intake, even if you are eating clean. Because some people will be like, "Hey, I'm eating clean, but then I use this like sugar-free G Hughes or or what's the real big one I see is people using like soy sauce or you know hot sauces, all that stuff, man. Get Frank, some Frank's Love. Red Hot, you know. I certainly love soy sauce. Yeah, I could I could eat everything covered in soy sauce. You know what? One thing I didn't get while I was out there was uh, Indian food, like curry. No, you didn't, did you? I and I hear it's so it's so good. Do you guys go out for that very much? I no, I wouldn't say we go out much. I'm not a big spice fan. Um, okay, don't I don't know how familiar you are. So there is a curry called a chicken korma. Okay. And it was actually invented for the English because we're fannies with spices. <laughs> uh, it's not actually a traditional Indian dish. Um, it's white people it, it Indian food. Yeah. And um, that's the spices I get. That's okay. how much of a fanny I am with spices. Honestly, I'm pathetic with spices. I can't cope with them. That's funny. What about your wife? Does um, she like that stuff? She likes she likes her eyeballs sweating when she eats a curry. <laughs> I, I had a feeling. Yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> And she she likes she loves chilies she loves the spices she's a big hot food fan that way as in spicy hot that's funny um, but me oh god no, no <laughs> fucking garlic gar, garlic's a, a, a too strong a spice from my point of view you know so what else strong. I just happened to think of something something else you've talked about before and it's something that I've implemented into people's programs um, when you are at that point where you're feeling really heavy in an off season. Being able to add in some really high-intensity cardio, I found, is very helpful. And you've talked about that a number of times here. Mm, keep, keep mobile. Keep active. Um, you know, we, 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 we have this, oh, I can't do hard cardio. I'm bulking. It's going to stop me growing. And, and I, I signed up to that wholeheartedly for years. I mean, I was a bit advocate of the most cardiovascular thing I did was clean my fucking teeth. Because... <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't going to waste any calories on something. And, and I was wrong. I was very wrong. Um, the, if I'd have done hard cardio, I would have been fitter. I would have been healthier. And as a result of that, I would have trained harder. I would have been stronger. And I would have got even bigger. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, I find, you know, and what I've seen with that is that you get to that point where you feel like you can't put your seatbelt on, can't tie your shoes. I don't think your body is comfortable. If your body's not comfortable, it's not going to want to hold that weight when you come off the cycle. Whereas if you are and you're still able to function within everyday life, I really do believe there is something to that psychologically even that your body is going to be able to hold that more easily when you're comfortable at that weight. I mean, there will be stages when you're bulking where you go to a stage where you are feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling lumbersome and and almost clumsy because you're not used to being the size you are. But by doing the cardio at that size and weight, you will start to adapt and, and handle that body mass much, much better. Yeah. We had talked about that a little bit on um, drugs and, or excuse me, on muscle minds with Scott Stevenson last episode. And, and I mentioned um, a guy, Dave Smith, big Dave Smith. He's like, he's got to be in his two sixties, really big dude, super strong. Yet he uh, is it like super hardcore into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like he's a person who, even though he's at that weight, can you know do backflips and stuff like that and i feel like if you can do that you know it, it his body isn't stressed holding that weight you know yeah well, yeah i mean one of the biggest things when you're bulking bulking big big bulking is the adaption to the mass yeah um yeah. And, it, it, and it's painful it, it's not a pleasant experience i mean i mean but once you've gone through it it gets much, much easier. I um, I remember 365, 375 going up felt like the world was on my shoulders. And then hmm. when I came back down to that, I felt fucking light because I'd been up as high as 415. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, and, and I mean, to be fair, at 360, I was still I was still quite agile, actually. I could still pretty much move quite well. Um, obviously not now. I'm a fucking Raspberry Ripple these days. But um, <laughs> Oh, what? Raspberry Ripple. A raspberry ripple? Ripple. Mm. What is that? Cripple. Oh, cripple. <clears throat> oh, okay. All raspberry right. ripple. Let me see. If we'll find the next question here. Hey, guys, I'm going to take a brief pause to shout out our advertisers. I'm going to try to make this quick, but keep in mind, they're responsible for helping us to put these shows out. If you guys want to support our programming, of course, you can do so through Patreon. And thank you to everybody who supports the show through Patreon. I will have links to that below, as well as to all of our advertisers. If you shop with our advertisers, you'll get great products, products that I stand behind, and you'll also be supporting our programming. First of all, check out truenutrition.com if you're in the U.S. I use their hydrolyzed beef collagen every day, and I use their citrulline malate, beta alanine, and EAA on days that I train. They have high-quality protein powders and tons of flavors. Hit me up if you have any questions. Use our code THINK over there. You'll get some additional savings, plus you'll support our programming, and you'll get some high-quality third-party tested supplements. If you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have blowout deals on top name brand supplements. Uh, they constantly have different things happening. So be sure to go to their site and check them out. I recently saw Carbolin for like 30 bucks off. I mean, you really can't beat those prices. Plus, they have free shipping over $99. If you're in the UK, then you probably already know about Strom Sports. They're one of the leader in health supplements in the United Kingdom. Strom Sports Nutrition has standalone supplements like NAC and Tutka. And they have finished blends like Support Max, a high-quality, well-priced, on-cycle support stat. I have links below to everything. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. Okay. Another awesome and informative video. Would appreciate if you could advise on uh, the below 
two questions. Could you advise on how to recover libido and erectile dysfunction from crashed biorimidex uh, and uh, how to increase sperm count? So he's crashed his estrogen with a Rimidex, it sounds like he's saying. I think the well, simple answer like is <laughs> a pretty pretty easy one, right? You get this a lot. Um, I get this a lot with people where you make a mistake, you do something that wasn't necessary, so you maybe you run caber and you crash your prolactin, or in this case you run ADEX and you crash your estrogen when you didn't need to. And so they're looking to fix the problem. And so like, well, I need to take Decker to get my prolactin higher or, or I need to take easy. No, just leave it. It will sort itself out. Just give it a couple of weeks. Yeah. By trying to fix it, you're just going to yo-yo back up the opposite way again. Um, so don't leave it. Let things balance out and it will sort itself out. I'm with you. Regards increasing sperm. A lot of that depends on where you are with your test dosing as well. So when we take anabolics, uh, and most of our feedback mechanisms are actually based around estrogen, but we stop producing gonadotropin releasing hormone, and as a result, we stop producing FSH and LH. There is also direct feedbacks into maturity that stop FSH and LH production as well. LH signals the production of testosterone and FSA signals production of sperm. However, the serotonin cells that produce sperm are also influenced by testosterone directly. So, elevated levels of, e of testosterone can stimulate and do stimulate sperm production. If you're in a TRT basis, obviously you have shut down, but you don't have particularly high circulating levels of testosterone, and as a result, uh, sperm production could suffer quite dramatically. In that case, you would look to add HCG because HCG will increase ITT, which is intertesticular testosterone, which in turn is going to stimulate the, uh, the serotonin cells to produce sperm. But if you're on cycle, elevated test itself should do a pretty decent job of stimulating sperm. It's not a guarantee. Um, and it is very person dependent, but you'll find that elevated test levels will actually help stimulate sperm. All right. Um, looks like we have a cycle question here. I'm starting a cycle of test SIP for 50 EQ 600 Masteron E 500. Um, I'm doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday shot. I'm going for a 16-week cycle. Can you champs give me a critique on my cycle? Thanks for the podcast. A big fan of it. Right. Can I give a critique on how you fucking read that out? Yeah. So I'm doing a cycle of test sip. Pause. 450 EQ. Pause. 600 must. No, I didn't Pause. say that. Yes, you did. You paused in the wrong bloody places. We had somebody say that my, um, what do they say? My reading comprehension wasn't that good. Did someone say you were stupid, Scott? I kind of think that's what he meant. <laughs> I blocked him. Fuck, fuck me. You should see my typing. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyone who's ever. Okay, so he's on Go test on. sip. 450 milligrams EQ. See, you just did it then. 
the fuck up. 600 milligrams. Master on E. 500 milligrams a week, and I'm doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday shots. Was that better? <laughs> I hate you. In all sort of levels. I don't right, see a problem so- with this cycle. I, I I could see that being a little, you know, with our current conversation about a recent conversation about EQ at 600 and test of, I usually don't run EQ anyway, higher than test. How about you? And he's got that mast in there too. Um, so normally when you start getting around four or 500 tests, you're going to need double the DHTs to control the estrogen. So, you know, you won't be far in. Estrogen might be a little low. If, if EQ is affecting estrogen for him. So I'd be interested to see what his estrogen levels were at week six. Yeah. Very interested, actually. Um, but other than that, that's the only thing I'd be conscious of is where his estrogen was sitting. If you were to use these three compounds in a cycle, dosing around this ballpark, how would you put it together? I'd probably go equal. Like what? Five, five, five? five, five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm not so sure on the efficiency, shall I say, of EQ as estrogen control, as in I know roughly where I need Maston and Primo to yeah. be if I want to manage my test, estrogen levels of test. I don't know where EQ is in relation to dosage, in relation to impact on estrogen. So uh, I'm guessing based of how mast and and primo work as anti-estrogens that eq from what we've been told from our lovely viewers would be similar so if that was the case and i would go for um a one 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 ratio okay i would probably do it a little different it, we you know and here's the reality of it everybody kind of has their own structuring right and it, i don't think that means that one's better than the other but i would probably go six test Five EQ, four Masteron. And if we had any further estrogen issues in any way, a little bit of aromacin. We'd find out down the road. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we uh, would, though. The, the estrogen is going to be the deciding factor in that cycle, is what is estrogen saying. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? Um, that was one of the Anadrol questions. Here we go. Um, have you guys ever tried methyl testosterone? I've been curious about how the methylation changes the drug, like the difference between D-ball and EQ or Superdrol and Masteron. I have no personal experience with methyl test one. Yeah. None. Um, so I, I really have no idea from a first-hand point of view of, of, of what it's like. From what I recall, it's not it's not like very different, you know, from what I've heard. Methyl test versus uh versus say just an injectable testosterone. I don't think it's different like the way that EQ and D ball is different, you know? Hmm. I say I I've never I've no experience with it whatsoever, so I, I I'm sorry I can't add anything to that conversation. Yeah, it's not something I it's not something that's really popular either, you know. No, it's very common in people using it as an alternative to genuine oral ingredients. Really? So it must be dirt fucking cheap, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of forensics from seizures where all the orals come back as methyl tests. Huh. All right. Um, I'm not sure if Scott or Big Dave have have the information, experience, or it's the correct place to ask. But could you do a video on the blood work of cocaine slash MDMA and its effects on blood work? There are a lot of bodybuilders and gym rats who do these drugs at the weekend in the party scene. So, actually, visually from these drugs within blood work, you don't see a great deal. Really? No. Um, so, MDMA has a big effect. Obviously, it has a big effect on neural chemistry. Um, one of the, the issues around MDMA is long-term serotonin depletion. Uh, leading to long-term depression. Um, So that's sort of one of the biggest long-term problems associated with MDMA use. MDMA affects how the kidneys work. I'm not sure it actually does any damage, but it does affect the kidney's ability to process fluids. One of the big risks around MDMA use is water poisoning. Um, I eat too much water consumed because your body's not excreting water in the normal way. So your kidneys don't react in the normal way, don't push water out. Um, cocaine, one impact is obviously it is a stimulant. So your heart's going to be faster. That's not a good combination if you've already got some sort of heart wall enlargement or heart wall thickening from your anabolic use. So that's, I know a few bodybuilders that have died because they've had a heart attack, be taking cocaine because their hearts just couldn't cope with the stimulation that the cocaine was causing. Hmm. One of the other big things from cocaine is is arterial hardening, uh, which is not going to show on a blood test. You're not really going to see anything on a blood test, not on your standard ones anyway, put it that way. So uh, it's not something you're going to pick up quite regularly from blood work. You may pick up stuff like dehydration and things like that, but you're not going to really see anything that's completely abhorrent in your bloods from from those two drugs, generally speaking. Hmm. However, if those drugs are cut with shit, then that could be a different story. And because you you do, I mean, you mentioned. I think this question comes to us because last episode. You had said, you know, because you see a lot of people's lab work, uh, you know, having the company Eval over there, and you said there are a lot of guys that are using cocaine and stuff on the weekends, and you see what their labs look like. Yeah, I mean, we we have a couple of well, we we actually have a number of high profile DJs that come to see us now. No kidding. They just they do six seven weeks in Ibiza, they come back having smashed it every (laughs) angle going, and it's like. How bad am I? And surprisingly, generally, they're not bad. Huh. From a blood's point of view, it doesn't mean they're healthy. Yeah. But from the bloods that we look at point of view, then they're not so bad. You see some cholesterol adulteration, uh, things like that. But, but other than that, they're, they're not too bad. Uh, it's quite surprising. In fact, we had, we had somebody last week who, who had been particularly heavy on it for a while. And his blood ca- bloods came back spot on. Hmm. So, like I say, you don't get the same the same same visual markers in bloods from from those recreational drugs. And you're not seeing like dopamine and stuff like that, right? You know what I mean. You're not looking at those no. the neurotransmitters no. and. But yeah, that's no. that is fascinating to think. I wonder about like yeah, heart stress. Not, 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, you may see some elevation in CRP if somebody's really been at it all fucking weekend. That's funny that um, you've got a DJ that DJs that are in a like overseas and stuff yeah. partying hard and coming back to check their labs. We're in a different world. Mm -hmm. People didn't do that when I was a kid. No, you know, they I think a lot of them on this, they unfortunately it's almost part of their job, you know. <laughs> they have to be party animals. They, they they have to be at the after party. They have to be in the scene. Yeah. And and the only way they can sustain those hours and that lifestyle is with some sort of boost. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously they're surrounded by it, aren't they? They're surrounded by it 24-7. Um, so uh, they need to be seen and they need to be in the right places. And as a result, particularly those that are mid-level, you know, so, you know, those that have still got a good name and command a good following, but they're not quite your... They have to work still every night. Yeah. They're not your million pound set DJs, you know what I mean? They're probably your 50 grand, 100 grand set DJs. They're still probably partying quite hard. Yeah. But then we have some we have some guys that train. Uh, I know one guy comes to us and he'll, he'll come for his blood work. And he, the last time he came, it was like, when can I get the results? Like four or five days. All right, good, good. He said, why? He said, I'm off to a four-day bender in America and I want to make sure I'm healthy enough to, to hammer it. Oh, God. Well, whether you agree with that choices or not, at least they are taking some responsibility. Yeah, I find that fascinating. I really do. Mm. All right, we have, mm. uh, we have a good handful more. We can try to rapid fire these. This was kind of, a, I think, more of a fun question. Um, he says, uh, do you think the top 10 at the Mr. Olympia are all taking pharma grade gear, GH and IGF, or do they take underground gear? Thanks for the show. The great show mass from the UK. I know a few to take UGL. So they're not all taking pharma. And especially like if they're using trend or, you know, master on these things aren't, you know, mm -hmm. you're not going to get that pharma. No, you know. I I think I've seen more guys at the top level using farm grade GH than generics, and I think part of it is that they're just at a point where it's that important. Like this is my investment, this is my career, and that they they're at a point where they're like, I don't know if it works better, but I'm not going to take the risk. You know. Well, I think the other thing is that as you get further up that chain the availability of certain drugs becomes more available, readily available to you. So you, you start to open doors into people that can get you the proper gear. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jimmy down the street is buying from his local steroid dealer, whereas top time Olympia with his coaching network and everything else is probably getting from a fucking doctor. Exactly. And sometimes it might not be legit. It might be a doctor that's just a real big fan and happens to have a bunch of kits. You know what I mean? Like that stuff happens. Or registered in the right country. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Question for the next show. 27-year-old Natty, who's been thinking about entering the enhanced world. So I decided to get a full uh, panel of blood work. Um, use Chase Irons test at Alta, Alta Labs. Uh, which shout out to Chase Irons. I didn't know he had a test set up at Alta Labs. Good for him. Chase Irons is a cool dude. Uh, my estradiol came back at 15 testosterone in the low 200s. 
you wouldn't think my levels would be that bad just by looking at me. 6'4", 215 pounds, and hanging right at 12% body fat, visible abs, light vascularity, uh, let's see, happy with how I look, starting to get really tired of how I feel, lethargic, low sex drive, overall lack of motivation, um, will this make me a good candidate for starting TRT? I never thought I'd start using hormones at such a young age, 27, but I'm starting to seem like it's been the right step to take. Um, if it will optimize myself in all aspects, love the show. Thanks for everything, y'all. So a couple of things. Um, he, he talks about feeling low, but he says that he did the test because he was looking to go on anabolics. So has he started feeling low since he's done the test? Because... <laughs> That would would almost suggest that it's psychosymptomatic and not actually genuine. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that his level genuine. I'm just saying the way he feels. Sure. Um, the other thing is lifestyle. Um, the, at 27 year old, you can have low test at any age. You can be born with with uh, a predisposition for low test. Lifestyle can have a big impact on it as well, particularly stuff like alcohol consumption, poor sleep, stress, all these sort of things. Uh, recreational drug use. So it is worth just looking at lifestyle. Um, yes, he is a complete candidate for TRT based on those levels. Mm -hmm. But as TRT is for life, I, I would always take the time to just look at my lifestyle and see if there's anything in there that's influencing my results. Having it been so low, though, I would suspect that he will probably need TRT. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, but bear in mind there is a responsibility with TRT as well. So if you are doing it yourself, you still need to monitor your levels. You still need to monitor your bloods, particularly FBC, cholesterol, PSA, things like that. It's not just a case of wax some testing and forget about it, which is what most people tend to approach it as. Yeah. I feel a lot better. So, I'm good. Yeah. And you feel a lot better for a couple of years, and then you do a blood test and, and start to feel a bit shitty and just realize, oh, fuck, there's actually quite a problem here. Yeah. All right, Charles says, hi, guys. I had a gastric sleeve op in 2010. I had major complications and had a leak, which didn't get found out until 2018. And I had a... Um, collection formed of few uh, and fused in my pancreas spleen small intestine bowel and stomach together a bit of a mess now as i can't get the amount of calories i need for building muscle as my stomach um, has been reduced by 80 percent am i wasting my time taking gear i would say so yes that's a rough thing, man, with gastric sleeves, because mm -hmm. I, I, I've worked with a number of people who just said, like, I'm going to do that. And then they can't eat enough. Like, it, here's here's what I found, because I've worked with several guys in this scenario. Um, and, and in fact, uh, one guy who is not a client, he's a listener of the show, though. He actually, it, it, instead of getting the sleeve, he had like, I forget what it's called, but like part of his stomach literally just removed. Just gone. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to eat smaller portions, obviously, more frequently, and things like vegetables that take up space but don't necessarily help us reach our goals of mass, things with a lot of fiber. You almost have to think of more calorie-dense foods versus mm -hmm. things that take up a lot of volume and then use smaller portions more frequently. 
I would say try to get that nailed first before you thought about the gear. Get onto a good path, just like anybody else. You want to be on a good path before you get the gear going. Yeah, at the end of the day, if you're not going to be able to eat, you're not going to be able to grow. So it doesn't matter how many drugs you throw at it, you're still going to need those calories to form new muscle tissue. Yeah. All right, I'll run through the live stream here because we had a few people here. Bill William is with us. He just says, hey, and he's happy to catch a live show. Question from uh, Reza. He says, uh, my question, what would you dose master on with 750 tests per week? Also, what are your thoughts on low-dose trend off-season? Are you wanting the master on to control your estrogen? If that's your idea around running the master on, then you're going to need 1.5 grams roughly. That's a lot, man. It is a fucking lot. Um, regards that, otherwise you can run any fucking dose you want, but you'll still need some estrogen management if you're running seven a genuine seven hundred fifty mega test. But you are looking at at least a gram of mass to regulate the, the estrogen off that test. Probably, more, like I say, probably up to one point five. What if you were to? And here's been my thought, and it's kind of what I was getting at with that last the cycle question about the EQ mast and test. What if you were to use some master on and then oh, some, yeah, yeah. some mean, AI, yeah. you know what I mean? No, I mean, you could quite comfortably run 400 mast. Uh, and then once you know where your Asian levels are, if you need an extra AI in that, then you put an extra AI, AI into that. But yeah, I mean, as I say, it depends what he wants from the master on. If he's looking at trying to control his Eastern with master on, he's going to be on very high dose of the master on to regulate that amount of estrogen trend off season no i don't agree with it whatsoever that sounds very uh mr blackish <laughs> i don't mind it. It, it it'd be in certain situations i've had you know what i there's one guy i work with that trend is just what he tends to respond to best and we've kept the doses low when we've used it and we've kept the duration under control but um, you know, he's done a lot better with, say, 40 milligrams of trend with test every other day versus using a lot more EQ or a lot more DECA. It's like, yeah, so we, we made that work. Or the other time might be at the end of a cycle to give a real hard extra. And like, like you were saying, Dave, where you would use, like, say, Anadrol at the end of a cycle, I've used Trent Ace that way at the end of a cycle. Not blasting it hard, but adding, like, that additional antigenic push, boosting that strength up, and maybe even recomping a little bit in the process. I just, I'm not a fan of Trent. Um, Fair enough. Simple as, I just, I don't, I don't think the juice is worth a squeeze. It's as simple as that. The, the, I'm currently helping several people with very severe mental health problems, suicide mm. attempts, and, and God knows what else. God. And and all of them have a history of using Trent. Uh, really? I, I can't help but think that it's playing a contributing factor. I just don't think it's worth it. I really don't. It, it has its uses in its placing. And yes, I would look at Trent three, four weeks out from a comp. Um, definitely. Uh, but I, I, I'm for me, off season should be healthy as possible. Fair and enough. you cannot have it. You cannot have a discussion about being healthy if it includes Trent. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Look at it this way: if what if we're talking, like I said, I, I think a big part of how dangerous a drug is comes down to the dose. And if you're using a very small dose and getting a good effect, versus using a high dose of another compound. And I'm just um, saying for argument's it is sake. Relative. 
Yeah, no, I, I get where you're going with it. And, and it, I suppose it is relative to the individual, but there is nothing in our arsenal of drugs that hits us like Trent. Nothing. I'd agree. I'd agree. You know, and, and, and the other big problem with Trent is he's just so understudied. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I just, I just find, well, I find it a worrying drug. What do you mean? Right. So when you talk to people about anabolics and you just do, anecdotally, you just have conversations with people about the drugs they've used. Name me one compound that you get ridiculous scare stories from other than Trent. That's the main one, isn't it? It's the only one, really. Yeah, well, Halo, but that's so rarely used by comparison. Name, name another drug that makes you consider killing people. Halo. Raping people. Halo. Or, you know. But it's so rarely well, okay. used. Like, the popularity of Halo is so little, whereas we have, like, TikTok kids making memes about Trend. 19-year-olds that are like, you know, yeah. my bros are on Trend, and they're making jokes. It's like, it's crazy how popular it is. It's when you discuss anabolics with every, anybody. There will be people that will have unique problems with certain compounds. Yeah. But no one talks about any other anabolic having such severe negative impacts as they do, Trent. I can't argue that. That's for sure. And that's enough for me to be, you know what? I want to be very cautious around this drug, particularly with clients. All right. Still rapid firing. Austin asks, uh, what test esters we recommend to clients? He said, I thought I remember both of you like Sustanon, but I can't seem to find that looking back in the old podcasts. Horses for courses. And sip, perfectly fine. Yep. Don't mind Sust. Um, don't mind prop. If someone's got a need for it and, and has a use for it at that. But yeah, no. I mean, I've put prop in cycles just for the simple reason is the client's got a shitload of prop left and he needs to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just use it. It just changes injection frequency, really. Uh, dosing's a little bit different, obviously, as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I some people will argue SIP is milder than ENTH when it comes to PIP and things like that because of the different fatty acid and the ester and all the rest of it. Uh, and I suppose beyond that, it's just personal preference. Yeah, and what's cheap, right? Like, or what's what? Let me not say what's cheap because we don't, shouldn't be buying steroids because one's the cheapest. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what is there one that's going to be a better value than another? I'd say that would be the test I'd suggest. Yeah, well, it's best value for money and and availability as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, Elijah says dealing with tendonitis at the elbow. Uh, where should I inject BPC bicep head? That's a ideally. In the fucking tendon. No, don't do that, bro. Don't yeah, do that. Right, right next to it. But they say though it works systemically. BPC. So, yeah. I, uh, there's mixed arguments about that. TB definitely works systemically. BPC. There's been there's mixed arguments about that. Yeah, and I find. I like to put it close to whatever's bothering me. But before you've got it at BPC, I'm going to say go to YouTube, uh, do a search for tennis elbow therapy, uh, get involved with that, 
do you know do these exercises because if you're having a tennis elbow issue uh, you're get you're probably dealing with overuse figure out what's causing it try to correct that if if anything i would use straps for any type of movement that you have to grip the bar temporarily give yourself a rest try to back off of any exercises that are really bad ice after your training do these therapy things and that in itself may be enough to fix it and if not then you add the bpc on top of that you know then 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 you're going to have a program already bpc on its own isn't going to fix a problem that's a continual thing you know well, the other, the other thing as well is he says he's got elbow pain, but he doesn't say whether it's bicep tendons or tricep tendons. I'm assuming it's bicep tendons because he's talking about injecting in the bicep. But yeah, he, he says could just easily. He just says tendonitis in the elbow. Yeah. So my first thought is tricep then. When people talk about elbow, they normally talk about the back end rather than the crux of the elbow or the front side. I think of tennis elbow where it it's in the tendons related to your related to your grip that's what i think of either golf or yes yeah, so, so it would depend on which tendons are affected but yes you want to try and get it as close to those tendons but you can go into the muscle that's attached to those tendons yes lucas is with us he says experts and professionals um and elijah also said good morning us too expert professional just whatever he is vincent ford's with us he says afternoon gents listening while giving blood aka high rbc blood dump good for him uh women on npp i have a friend whose trainer has her on two cc's of npp a week seems like a bunch to me for a female um what does christmas cabbage think Christmas cabbage would say total dose of around 100 to 150 milligrams a week. Okay. Neven's with us. He says, uh, can't stay. I'm at work. I'm going to get in trouble. I'll watch later. So he'll see this later. And, uh, oh, it looks like Neven did have a question for us, too. So he says, uh, what's the difference between a supplement versus a drug? In the drug version of something, always the be- is the drug version of something always the best. Example: aspirin versus white willow extract. Uh, what's the difference between metformin and berberine? Is one considered a drug and the other one a supplement? Do they act in different ways? I have access to both. Berberine is eighty dollars a bottle. Where is he getting his berberine from? Well, metformin is pennies per pill, which are the best route to take. I'm interested in this for the availability, uh, regulate blood sugar, uh, lower IGF, longevity purposes, blah, blah, blah. So I suppose in a nutshell, a drug is something that's produced by a pharmaceutical company, while a supplement is something that's produced by lots of people. Natural. Because it's not a regulated drug. Yeah, but aspirin is, is white willow bark. That's what it is. It's made from white willow bark. Is it made from the willow bark or is it synthesized? Oh, actually, I don't know. It may be synthesized. You may have a point there. Because mm. I think like the white willow... Yeah, I don't know. You may have a point there. I don't actually know that. But, it, I mean, it comes from that kind of like valerian root versus valium. Yeah, I suppose so. But I, t- I, I can tell old, this. Are, are, 
are all drugs synthetic versions of natural products? Plus, potentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess not because we consider like opium and heroin. Those are natural, right? Marijuana, that's that's natural. Mm, that's right. What about uh, um, the, the metformin thing? I will tell you this, the difference between metformin and berberine. Number one, he needs to go to a different place to get his met, his berberine if he's paying $80 a bottle because I see it for $20 on Amazon uh, or less. And uh, it does not have the same issues on your liver that metformin does. Metformin is not necessarily a healthy drug to take. Also, it doesn't lower glucose production either. No. So I uh, metformin lowers glucose output from the liver, as well as increasing um, insulin sensitivity. Whereas metformin increases insulin sensitivity, but doesn't affect glucose output from the liver. Hmm. Wait, so you said training point. You said metformin twice there. Can you say that one more time? No. Um, from a training point of view, berberine would be the better choice. Yeah, I don't think we necessarily want to lower our IGF. I mean. Not from a training point of view, but the obviously IGF is associated with aging, isn't it? So uh, the anti-aging crowd do like to keep their IGF low. Yeah, and they're also good with like you know not being muscular either. Yeah, uh, but you know I don't know what the clinical definition between a supplement and a, a drug would be. Let me look it up. Let's see. Then we'll close the show after that. Let's see, I'll pull up a little Google here. Um, yeah, we'll have to... Um, a drug, a medicine or a substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced to the body. Well, that seems like it could a supplement could do that too. How about drug versus supplement? I'm just going to eat nuts while Scott's doing this. All right. Well, it, I guess, I don't know, man, because it's just saying supplements aren't regulated by the FDA. But they are. Drugs are. Supplements still have to be... Yeah, but so is supplements. It's not to be passed for sale. But they're not, they're not... They don't have to be proven by the... That's what there's been here in the U.S. There's a lot of shady stuff that goes on with supplements. You talking about Redcon One again? No, no, but that's a good example of uh, their old company, Prime Nutrition. But there's a lot of stuff, man. Like companies that were doing all the protein spiking with amino acids to make it look like they had better quality products than they did. There was like a huge thing. Companies you wouldn't, and that was several years ago now. But companies you wouldn't expect, like big companies that were in, you know, all the health food stores like GNC and stuff. Yeah, but you get that in the farming industry as well. You get pharma companies get had up for doing dodgy shit with pharmaceutical products and get massive fines for it. Sure, I guess. You just don't see it in the press the same way. Yeah. All right. So, hmm. Well, guys, you got time. Sign up for uh, Pillars of Strength. And by the way, Dave, I, all this talk we had about Anadrol, uh, would Support Max be a good supplement from our sponsor, Strom, for, for somebody who was running Anadrol? I would say that support marks, from what we've seen and what Rick's gathered data-wise, support marks works pretty well for cycles sub-1G. 
Um, if you're heavy on the orals, then you'd probably need some extra support. Um, but if your oral consumption is 20, 30 milligrams, then it should be more than enough. All right. I just figured I'd ask that. Give us a chance to plug our new advertiser, Strom Sports. Is Eval open for business yet over there? Can people come by the office and do labs yet? We never closed, mate. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how that worked. We we, we closed Huddersfield down for a few days, but we're, the rest of the clinic's all run. Okay. Oh, so they could go to the clinic. But what about, because you guys also do it out of the home office, don't you? As I said, so the clinic at home. Um, oh, I which see. Which is still up. So the clinic at home, which is still at home, but it's no longer in our house. It's in a separate building within the grounds of the house now. Um, closed for a few days, but Bradford was still open. Glasgow was still open. London was still open. Norfolk was still open. Exeter, Bournemouth, Wales, all those were still open. Right? If somebody comes and does lab work with you, do you evaluate that with them too? Or how does that work? Do you just give them, here's the results, you email it to them? Or what do they no, get? No, no, no. So they get the results as a printout, as you would from most testing companies. Where we're slightly different is we then discuss anything that's out of range or close to being out of range. And where we are very different is, so stuff like Medichex and other blood testing companies will give you an overview of your results. But what we do is we're much more specific. So for argument's sake, customer comes to us, he's on 500 milligrams of test. We get his results. His test is 96 nmol and his estrogen is 236. UK, remember, not USA. Yeah. I, so yeah. in the comments, I will say, your estrogen is high because you're at a testosterone level. I'd recommend mm. using aromacin uh, X amount of milligrams, X amount of times a week in order to control your estrogen. Okay, nice. So so we, we give realistic advice as to what they can do to manage their cycles. And hey, one more question. Um, if you could travel anywhere today, meaning like you didn't have to finish up your work day, you didn't have to deal with work tomorrow, you had the finances and the passport and you could legally travel to that location, somewhere that you would enjoy going, you would obviously, you and the wife would go. If you could get those tickets right now and head on out, where's the one place that you would enjoy going to visit for fun? I don't know. Um, I know I just dropped this on you, but I thought it'd be a fun question. There's lots, there's, there's lots of places I'd like to go. I, I'd love to do the Trans-Siberian Express. Ooh, I'd like that too. I'd love to do the Silk Road. I don't know the Silk Road. It goes from Russia to China. Okay, yeah. I'd love to do... There's a, there's a train that runs across Africa as well. I'd love to do that. Huh. I'd, I'd love to do the Orient Express. Um, so you're talking a lot, a lot of, trains. of trains. You want to do a lot of yeah, trains? Yeah, a lot of trains. <laughs> a lot of trains. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see Cambodia. I'd like to see the five thousand islands in Vietnam. I, I love Thailand as a country, so I I could go to Thailand anytime. Okay, but I like the states. You know, I mean, I do like the states. I'd love to drive Route sixty six. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been on parts of it. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to do Route sixty six. Um, I'd like to do Southern America. So the, the, I don't think there's any one particular place. I mean, I could say if I could whistle away now, I'd definitely like to go somewhere that's quiet, minimal people, um, no mobile phones. Yeah. 
but um you know I, my i i like peace and quiet i like beautiful scenery and i love wildlife so anything that incorporated any of them would be would be nice but at the same time i love cars so i would equally be happy standing or sitting at a drag strip or something of that nature as well so i mean i'd love to go to sema i've always wanted to go to sema to where sema what's that you know what sema is it seems a massive motor show in america uh, no never heard of it yeah so it's basically where the motor industry and custom car builders and custom bike builders show off their their skills huh that's interesting so, that'd probably be more fun lot- than here we have the uh the auto show here the detroit auto show it's like you know detroit so they they make a big deal out of it but I, well, that sounds like, more fun because these are like the the new versions of cars yeah, that are coming out. Yeah, you know? no, um, Seam is all about uh, customization and modification. That'd be cool. That'd be fun to see. Even I like I'm not a big car guy, but I would enjoy that for at least a few hours. <clears throat> and it's very extreme. Um, and you, you have you have not only the manufacturers, i.e., the the companies that modify cars, yeah, or custom build cars, but you also have all the supporting industries that supply wheels and tires and engine modification parts and all that stuff as well. Huh. That sounds fun. All right, guys. Good show, Seema. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, as always, check out our sponsors. Uh, I mentioned Strom Sports. It's, I believe, stromsports.com. We'll have links to that below. Uh, also, check out supplementsource.ca if you're in Canada. You can get some really great deals on supplements there and all your favorite name brand supplements. For the U.S. people, check out uh, truenutrition.com and use our code THINK. Uh, Amino Asylum, they're available as well. Use our code THINK there. And, uh, of course, like I said before, go to Eval bloodanalysis.com and uh, Dave as always it's been a pleasure man I have to go I need pee pee I need a wee wee